Hey, Ben. Hey, good morning, man. <laughs> and hey, Jordan. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah, no problem. Glad to be here. Yeah, this will be fun. Um, we, we, me and Ben have some questions uh, for you. And uh, we decided, you know, I think you, you've talked about kind of your story with your, your journey uh, building your business and a couple other places. Um, so I'm just going to try to summarize that real quick. Um, and, and you can correct me if I'm, I'm wrong with anything. But um, from what I know, like you, you kind of started out, um, you, you had some debt from, from school and some other things. And so that kind of is what pushed you to like, hey, I'm, I'm going to like try something on the side, like see if I can make some money elsewhere because this debt thing is, is not cool, right? And so you, you started some businesses, started some stuff on the side. And um, when it really took off is when uh, your wife was selling things on Poshmark um, and I haven't used Poshmark myself, but Poshmark is just, you know, where people can sell, I think, used things or just stuff online. Uh, maybe is it, is it typically clothes um, that's on Poshmark? Yeah, they started out as a women's clothes pretty much exclusively platform, but then they've expanded to a bunch of other stuff since then, yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, she, she started selling on Poshmark and kind of noticed that there was a problem and you're like, hey, I think I can solve that problem with code. So you you just kind of put something together just for your wife, um, and then it solved her problem. And then you notice other people like interested about that, and like, hey, uh, can I can I use that too? And and you start having people want to use it. And then at that point, you're like, um, okay, maybe I can start a, a business around this. And I think that's when Closet Tools, um, which is kind of a, an automation tool for Poshmark, helps helps people sell stuff on Poshmark. That's kind of when that was that was born. Um, how's that sound? How's that how's that summary sound? Yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, that's the gist of it. I think um, the missing piece is like, um, so I kind of built my my wife's friends actually introduced her to Poshmark. So when I built the tool, I kind of built it for like all of them, so they all started using it, mm. and they all loved it a lot. Um, so it was kind of cool to build something that was really useful for all of them, and it saved them a ton of time. Um, and it was literally, when I first made it, it was maybe like, I don't know, 50 lines of code or something like that. It was something really simple. Um, and then what I did was I actually was keeping a personal blog. I was you know writing, actually at that time I was writing every day. Um, and I was kind of just keeping track of like the things I was building, the things I'm learning, uh, you know, documenting, you know, the courses I'm taking and things like that. And so I put up one page, uh, just a Poshmark automation thing is what I called it. And I had a little link to how to use it. And I had a little description and things like that. And then I kind of just like forgot about it. I mean, like my wife still used it and her friends still use it, but I wasn't like planning on marketing it or anything like that. I just put it up there because yeah. I was documenting it. And that was actually when it first started getting some SEO traffic to something. And so actually there was people coming to my website, seeing the link and, you know, wanting to use it. And sometimes people couldn't figure it out or whatever. And then they would send me an email, like my personal email, and they'd be like, hey, how do you use this thing? Like, this is super cool. Like, how do you use it? Um, and so that's how, you know, I knew that other people had interest in it. Um, and it was still probably another, like, six months or so before I actually took it seriously and, and decided to uh, turn it into a real product. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's awesome. And one of the things that I think is so cool about what you've done is you built this whole business up to I don't know around 40k MRR, but you've done it all by yourself. You know, you've done it with uh, 
not a ton of resources, all with your own manpower. And that's that's just really cool that you were able to scale something to that size um, all on your own. Um, yeah, so that's really cool. Um, so one of the things we want to jump into is you, you've written some stuff online, some cool blogs and stuff like that. One of the ones that I've really enjoyed that I've read is Increasing Wealth as a Father. And in that, you kind of talk about like... Um, a little bit of like your why in the article and on why you build a business, you kind of make a case for building wealth. Um, so I wanted to ask you here, like why, why even do this thing? Like why build wealth? Um, and you know, I, I feel like some people could say like, you know, just wanting to build wealth, like, is that, is that a selfish, like, could that be a selfish thing? So yeah, just curious what your thoughts are around that. Yeah. I mean, I think Yes, I think inherently most people are pretty selfish. Um, certainly, people that kind of have a minimum uh, of. Oh, sorry, my uh, my son just walked in. Hey, buddy. Hey, I'm on the call. Hey, buddy. <laughs> All right. uh, no worries. You gotta go back in the house. <laughs> Thanks, bud. He came out with his boxing gloves. Um, <laughs> He's ready to fight. <laughs> He's ready. Um, yeah. So, like. It, it's. It, I think it's a. It's an interesting uh, reframing of a mindset because, like, when you just have a job that provides you just enough income to to provide for only you and your family, that in and of itself is inherently selfish because you're using the minimum amount of effort, the minimum amount of knowledge, and the minimum amount of energy to basically sustain yourself. Um, and ultimately, that's not going to build uh, generational wealth. And general generational wealth only comes from when you make an impact on a, a bunch of other people and when you actually provide value for a bunch of other people and when you actually go out of your way, use your energy above and beyond what you need to do to be able to give other people something that's of value. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's this interesting thing where like, yes, somebody might look at you and say like, oh, because you make a lot of money, you're selfish because you make a lot of money. Whereas at the end of the day, the only reason why you can build wealth is because you've made a valuable impact on so many people. Um, and so you're really giving of yourself and you're making, you know, you're helping other people. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I think um, once you kick over from just a providing for me and my family mindset and you kick into a, how can I help as many people as I can or help out a group of people as much as I can. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I think that's, you know, a healthy approach because, um, you know, when you think about it, like, like you think about just your family, you know, you got like whatever, a couple people, it's like, okay, I need this much money to feed this many people. Uh, but what if I was feeding 10 people? What if I was feeding 50 people, you know, like next week, what would I have to do? What would I have to change to get to that point? Um, and so, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you don't actually have to do that. So you end up getting paid a lot because, you know, you're helping a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so, so the wealth thing, you know, it too, it's, it, you know, and I talked about a little bit about generational wealth, you know, it really is building income for your future generations too. You know, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. right now, like, you know, I, you know, I spend some of my money and, you know, it's, it's whatever, but you know, I don't really need more stuff. I don't need, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, consumerism stuff, you know, it's mostly just me building wealth, making sure my family's taken care of, you know, giving them a good foundation in life. Um, so yeah, that's what, that's really what it's all about. So, um, you know, and I think the thing you find, you know, 
um, is when you get up to a level, you know, right now I'm making like 400,000 a year. Um, you know, when you get uh, like to that level and above, you really do find out that more money doesn't really change a whole lot. Um, there's only so much you can squeeze in a whole day and there's only so many, you know, trips you can take. There's so many, so many things you can buy. Uh, everything that you add to your life takes more energy from you. Um, and so you still have to make decisions about what you're actually going to commit to, uh, how you're actually going to spend your time, you know, what things are going to take your energy from you and what things are you going to use to add to your energy. Um, and so there really is a limit on what you can do. And, and that part too is where you can be less selfish and you can even use your personal income to help other people. I mean, there's countless times I've given my family things, I've given my friends things, I've just been generous out of my own income because... I don't actually need all this stuff, uh, and I want to see my friends, you know, you know, be able to take advantage of some of the uh, cool stuff that I've done. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There's a whole lot there. There's a whole lot to unpack. But yeah, that, yeah. when I when I wrote that um, uh, increasing wealth as a father, it was an interesting time because it was right when I was switching from employment to entrepreneurship when I was quitting my job, and. Um, and I wrote that piece in like a day, I think it was like a day or two. It was like across two days and I was super inspired. I don't think I could probably write it again. Um, but it was <laughs> it like, you know, it's, I don't know. I just spilled everything out on the page and then it was like done. And, uh, so yeah, I really liked that one. I think it's cool. So maybe tying into that a little bit, it's, it almost seems like you also stumbled into the whole entrepreneurship a little bit. Um, so there are probably other ways to, to build wealth as well. I'm also interested in how you think about, because you said like, you know, providing for others too, could also mean that you would employ other people a little bit, how you, how you think about that. Um, and if there are other great ways to, or that you could imagine, uh, like other routes going down other routes to build wealth instead of doing the whole entrepreneurship thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing, whether you yourself are employed or you're building a business that employs other people. Um, it only comes through increasing responsibility and making an impact on other people. Um, so, you know, even if you were at a company, um, if you're on the lowest level of the company, um, your income is going to be lower, obviously, like you're not, you're not, you know, higher up, you're not making decisions um, that, you know, that are super important. Um, but the, the, the degree of what your work actually impacts other people is so much less. Whereas if you're higher up in the company, you're going to be getting paid more because you're responsible for more people. Not only are you making decisions that are impacting the, you know, the direct reports below you and whatever levels below you, but you're also making an impact on the people that interact with the product that you build or the service that you provide. And so the, the increasing level of responsibility uh, really drives, you know, what your income is and increasing income obviously leads to, uh, more opportunities to build wealth, uh, for you and for other people. And if you're better at making good decisions, then you're going to make a positive impact on your employees below you, or you're going to make an impact on the people that use your product and get to use it and they get value out of it. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, it's like the exact same framework across the board. It's just whether or not you want to, align yourself with somebody else's vision for what, uh, you know, you want to be doing with your time, or if you want to really, uh, you know, try to take ownership of your own time and be able to provide value in a way that you really want to provide value. Um, and you certainly can do that. You can provide value the way you want to provide value in somebody else's, you know, company. Uh, but it's very rare to find a, a totally hands off, like you do exactly what you want to do and nothing, you know, nothing else. Uh, whereas with, you know, 
the this kind of uh, minimal entrepreneurship where it's just me. Like I, I literally get to spend my time exactly how I want to spend it. And, you know, I'm responsible for, uh, you know, how I use my time, because if I don't use my time correctly, then this whole thing will kind of fall apart over time. And if I do use it correctly, I can continue to build it and scale it over time. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's literally the exact same principles across the board. It's just whether or not you're taking ownership of, uh, you know, kind of the, the potential for failure and also the potential for upside, um, you know, by owning the company or starting the company yourself. So going back to this, like building wealth thing and like, kind of like you were talking about, like the, the motive of why the motives is what's really important, right? Like building building value like you're doing it because you're wanting to help people build value for people um so i guess the question is like how how do you keep that balance like i feel like a lot of entrepreneurs like as they go like kind of their their goal line changes as they go and they just kind of want to go bigger go bigger and like i don't know it, it can be hard to like you know make sure you're doing it just for the right reasons of like helping people or you know, you get get into oh, I just want to get that MRR higher. So, like, how do you how do you keep that balance so that like you're not like uh, just like discontent with how it's always going and always wanting to do more and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, it comes with you know that's all about sustainability, and I think what happens is um, you know people. Uh, they want to grow bigger and like, you know, growing bigger is great. That's a good thing. You know, you're helping more people, you're making more money. It's great. Um, but by growing bigger, they take on liabilities. So like they take on employees, you know, there's maybe they're spending on ad revenue. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're spend you know, they're spending money and they're basically adding all these liabilities to their business. And that puts you in a pinch because you have to grow. If you don't grow, then, you know, you're kind of not in a sustainable mode, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain this forever. Um, so, you know, I think it's a balance. I think I've just made some very mostly stubborn decisions to say, Hey, look, I'm built, I'm doing this myself. Uh, you know, I'm not going to employ other people. So I'm going to do exactly what I can do and no more and no less. And if the numbers go up, the numbers go up, you know, if the numbers go down, then, you know, maybe I can tweak some things, but at the end of the day, the numbers are going down and <laughs> I'm still only going to be able to do exactly as much as I'm able to do. Um, and so, you know, for me personally, by setting, setting myself up financially and, you know, setting my, setting up my time, right. So that my family is, you know, well taken care of, you know, doing those things, um, allows me to go through hard times and it allows me to go through good times, you know, uh, whatever happens. Um, and so ultimately, yeah, building for sustainability is, is the thing to do. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, for me, this product that I built, um, it has a lot of risk elements to it, you know, because it's not uh, something that's, you know, approved or it's not a, you know, a, 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 a true integration. It's so, somewhat of a hack, somewhat of something that you're not supposed to use in the platform. Um, so it's it has this risk element. And I never really wanted to hire people under that umbrella of risk because this thing literally could get shut down at any moment. Um, so. I, and I've been saying that for years and it hasn't, so I'm not really suspecting that it's going <laughs> to get shut down at any moment, but I've never really wanted to put anybody under that pressure where it's like, okay, uh, you know, I'm hiring you, but at any day this could just go away. So I don't, I didn't really want to do that. And so I think for the future, I would love to build a company that I feel, you know, something that's either like my own platform or it's something that's a lot more, uh, long-term 
uh, oriented. And so that I can feel like I can hire somebody and they can actually stay at this job if they wanted to the rest of their life or something like that. Um, yeah. you know, not that anybody would, but you know, I want to be able to feel like I can have something that's going to, you know, sustain for the long term. So, um, yeah. So how, how do you build a business like what you've done where it takes like minimal amount of resources, something that you can do like all by yourself? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the most important things that I did was I founded it all around writing. Um, and when you write everything down and you communicate through writing, uh, by nature, everything you do is scalable. Um, you know, when you, uh, when you limit everything, you know, like say like if I had like a phone service where people can call me to get, you know, support help or something like that, those phone conversations aren't being recorded. Uh, that information, nobody else is in on that information. Nobody's getting access to that information. Whereas through writing, when I write documentation and when I write even emails, I can use emails as a way to then form more documentation. Um, that alone, by being able to create, uh, you know, what I call, you know, an accessible product where somebody can step in, they can start using it, but then if they get confused, they can do their own research. They can figure out exactly what's going on. That element has saved me so much time because I spend mm -hmm. at this point, I spend less than a half hour a day doing support emails um, because a either people figured it out and they're still using it and, you know, they're moving on or, you know, maybe they quit the product because it was too confusing. But at the end of the day, I don't really get any information. I just, you know, I only get the people that, uh, you know, don't want to do their own research and don't want to figure it out. But then I still don't spend a lot of time talking to them because I'm like, hey, I wrote about this. Here's a link go read more. Um, so, you know, I think that part of the business has made it very sustainable for just me to do stuff because I can spend my time focusing on product. I can spend my time focusing on, you know, writing more content for marketing, whether it's blog content or, uh, doing live streams or producing videos and things like that. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, a it's an element of just, you know, writing everything down, documenting everything, and putting everything out in a space where it's, you know, accessible and consumable. And then that saves you a bunch of time yourself so that you can then spend it on things that are important. You know, if something in the product breaks, I have time where I can actually fix it right now and push out an update or whatever. And, um, yeah. So I think the writing first approach, uh, has worked out pretty well and, you know, not every business is like that, you know, maybe somebody needs direct support on the phone. I don't really know. Um, but at the same time, if, you know, if somebody came and tried to use my product and they wanted direct phone support, uh, maybe they'll leave because I don't offer that. So, um, you know, I think you do have to make certain decisions that niche yourself down to a certain type of customer as well. Um, you know, so I'm not looking for customers that are nagging me all day, you know, wondering how they can use things or I don't know, you know, so, um, so yeah, it, it's, it's this thing of like limiting your customer base by making decisions for sustainability for yourself. And so you're able to help the people that align with your customer, you know, profile even more because you're doing it exactly the way that aligns with how they do things. Um, and so from a marketing perspective, that's why I love SEO. And I, I tweeted about this the other day, you know, for me, a great customer is somebody that likes to do their own research. It's somebody that doesn't bother you. They just go on the website and they figure out how to do it. Um, and so, you know, SEO aligns well with that because that person's already on Google looking for a solution to their problem. They're already going out of their way to try to solve their own problem. 
Um, and so that type of customer leads to the ideal type of person that would use my product, a self-service product. Um, and so that kind of uh, group of decisions leads to something that's pretty sustainable for me. Yeah. And I like how you were talking about SEO and, and you've, you know, you've done a lot with SEO and um, I mean, you're even starting to work on a course, it sounds like, uh, around SEO. Uh, so I have some questions around SEO because that's kind of your, your ball game. Um, but before we jump to that, the one, one last thing I wanted to ask about kind of this, this uh, building wealth, um, you talked about in that article is that we are we're meant to build generational wealth and we we're meant to build a legacy so i was just curious like what what legacy are you trying to leave yeah i mean i think that's a tough one you know i think it's like something i'm still you know trying to figure out it's 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 something that opens up as things become more possible you know i think it's naive to say like oh you know i'm gonna be you know the biggest whatever uh but you know at this point you know it, it's mostly about, you know, impacting, you know, the people around me. I mean, even like the local community around me. And it's about, um, you know, just making a positive difference in life and being uh, an example for, you know, future generations and, you know, being somebody that uh, not only did important things and did, you know, valuable things for other people, but also that wrote it down and made it a blueprint that other people can follow if they want, you know, success in their life. And so, um, yeah, I think the legacy I want to leave is that, uh, you know, I used my energy in a way that allowed me to, uh, you know, use my skills to help a ton of other people. And I also wrote it down so that you can read mm -hmm. about it and you can figure out how to do it for yourself. Um, and so, you know, whether that impacts a thousand people or, you know, a hundred people or 10 people, you know, I don't really know. I mean, the number doesn't really matter, but, you know, I think just leaving, uh, that positive impact. Um, you know, on other people, I think is really, is really it, the legacy that I want to leave. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So you're, you're working on this, this new book rank to sell. And I mean, it's, it seems like a lot of the success that you've had with closet tools has come from the SEO. Like you, you, you built, you wrote like six blog posts, I think. And, and just with that, like that was enough to like build this distribution um, for, um, closet tools. So like, how do you, how did you pick like, which, what things to write on, write with those, like the six posts? Cause you only have six posts, like those, uh, ideally like those, all six of those have to be ones that are, are people are needing, looking for. So, so yeah. How did you choose which ones to, to write? Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a combination of two things. It's the, um, the intent of what the person is searching for. And then it's obviously the amount of people that are searching for that thing. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people, when they think of SEO, they think of just the numbers of search volume where they're like, oh, this keyword is getting, you know, 10, hundred million people searching every month. I'm going to go for that. Uh, but then they leave out the piece of intent, which is basically what is this person trying to do when they search that keyword? Um, you know, so a lot of times what people will end up doing is they try to rank for keywords where the person's not looking to buy anything. They're not looking to solve a problem. They're just looking for either, you know, just like a little piece of information or they're, you know, just doing something that has no monetary value. Um, and so really the keywords that I try to target are people that have a problem and they're looking for a solution to their problem. Um, or they're looking to increase their knowledge about a certain topic that allows them to make more money or save more time. 
Um, and so I'm looking for uh, keywords that my product addresses or makes easier or makes better for the person that's reading that content. Um, because what I'll end up doing is within the piece of content, I'll get to a section where I say, hey, this thing is important. Uh, you know, maybe you want to get more followers on Poshmark. I'll say, hey, this thing is important. Uh, and I'll talk about why it's important, but then I'll be like, hey, uh, if you use closet tools, it makes this whole thing way easier. So you should probably check out closet tools. Um, so it's a combination of trying to rank for these intent-based keywords, but then also giving them uh, a hint of, oh, if you actually want the best way to do this, then use this product that we make and then you can uh, you know, have great results with that. So, um, so it's kind of a hybrid approach of uh, ranking, but then also uh, you know, hinting at the thing that you're, you know, the product that you build or why your product makes that important thing easier or saves them time with that important thing. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I feel like I've heard some other people's like SEO strategies is kind of like a, a shotgun kind of strategy where it's just like write tons of things, uh, just write as much as possible and just kind of throw it up there and just kind of see what works. Um, I guess, why is that? What have you seen that doesn't work with that? Or why, why the strategy of just a couple of things um, instead of just keeping writing more and trying to get more up there ranking? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. Um, I certainly don't recommend just writing a whole bunch of stuff, you know, for no reason. Um, but it also comes down to like how much energy do you want to spend on it? And, you know, how much time do you want to spend on it? When I'm just myself, you know, I don't have time to write every single day, you know, marketing content for closet tools. You know, I got to build the product. I got to do customer support. You know, there's a bunch of other things I got to do. Um, but I think, uh, the, the issue with that too, is, um, it's really hard to tell, uh, exactly who's coming in and why they're converting to becoming a customer for you. Or, uh, you know, even within that, when you just write a bunch of stuff, um, you know, it probably isn't boosting your actual sales too much. You know, you're getting a bunch of traffic to your website, but they're not relevant people. They're not actually, you know, looking to buy anything or anything like that. Um, so your numbers might look great. Your SEO numbers, you might be getting, you know, you know, you have this up and to the right chart. It's like, oh yeah, we got way more mm -hmm. people coming. Uh, but none of these people are buying. So, um, so for me, uh, you know, it's kind of a minimal approach and it's mostly just understanding your customer, understanding what they want, understanding what's valuable to them. And then understanding at the end of the day, like, Hey, not everybody that comes to the website is going to buy, but I'm going to write the best piece of content for the people that I you know, think are going to buy my product. Um, and so, yeah, it's a combination of just you know, keeping it minimal, keeping it not too difficult. Yeah. Uh, but you know, putting your effort in the right places and, you know, uh, you know, doing, uh, you know, not like the least amount of work, but, you know, doing a good enough amount of work where it puts you in a position where, you know, you know, your growth is sustainable and things like that. So I really like the, what, what like how you said it, you, you basically just used the word, uh, like in, intent based, right. Which is super super smart, like a super smart way of phrasing it, I think. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if you, if you go in and revisit those, those pillar pieces, because if you just, I mean, that's totally fine, right? Like having those pillar pieces, like five, six, maybe 10, and then, you know, just, just stop there, uh, seems to be one of the strategies that some people use and it, it's work. 
Um, and I'm curious if you if you then go in there and you know try to try to optimize on on those pieces, or you know do you do you actually talk to people about those pieces who came to the product uh, by by reading them, or or do you just you know just based on your assumptions just write them down and then just see how it goes? <laughs> yeah, so there's a couple things that I do when I when I write a piece of content. I certainly do update the content, um, and it's mostly because uh, date based titles tend to do well, especially if they're extremely relevant. So like if somebody wrote like, uh, you know, the best podcasting mic in October, 2021, uh, you know, that that's going to be really relevant because somebody's gonna be like, Oh, it's October, 2021. So this is really up to date. And, you know, <laughs> so, so every year I'll go through and I'll make sure that it's, you know, it's a 2021 article and it has some extra content that's relevant, like right now contextually. Um, and that helps, you know, boost rankings and boost your click through rates, which also improves, improves your rankings. Um, but then also what I'll actually do is, um, when I pick an intent based keyword, you know, obviously you want to target, you know, some amount of higher traffic, you know, you don't want to just write an article for like nothing for crickets. Uh, so, you know, you pick something that's relatively higher. Uh, but then what I'll do is I'll take, uh, sub keywords, things that are, you know, easy to rank for still very relevant to the article and intent based, but you know, maybe they only get a hundred clicks a month or 50 clicks a month or something like that. And I'll use those as sub topics within the article. Um, and what you'll find is that that article will end up ranking for those keywords because they're in the article. Um, and so that's when I write a piece of content, I like to write a longer piece of content that includes these subtopics, uh, so that that piece of content will spread across a bunch of, you know, a wide range of keywords. Um, and you know, that that's part of how, um, you can, you know, optimize an article. Um, the other thing that I do, you know, probably the easiest way to get started writing a great piece of content, uh, or, and I say writing, and this is something that I, you know, try to make clear to people, like writing is not always the, the thing that people are looking for. Uh, people think that like, oh, like it's only blog posts are SEO, but people forget that, you know, for, uh, you know, a ton of different keywords, a YouTube video is almost always the top result or a product listing page on Amazon is almost always the top result. So it really depends on what the person's searching for. Um, and so a blog post is better for, uh, you know, like information, uh, and, uh, a reference that people, you know, that has links to other things and things like that. Uh, but sometimes a video is great if you have to like demonstrate something that's very visual, uh, you know, something that people, you know, would want to see, you know, like if you're looking up some product or something and you want to see what it looks like and stuff like that, or hear what it sounds like, uh, you know, that a video is great for that. Um, so yeah, but anyways, the, the, when I write a piece of content, what I usually do is I'll look at the first, uh, 10 to 20 results on Google and, uh, you know, I'll go through all of that content and figure out, you know, what are these people writing? Like, you know, what kind of topics are they covering? You know, what's the length of content? Uh, you know, you know, what makes them rank basically. And, um, at the end of the day, ultimately I usually just write a combination of all of that. Uh, so, you know, I'll just take the first 10 articles or whatever they are, and I'll combine all of that information, rewrite it in my own words, in my own, uh, context, in my own spin, and I'll publish that. And that usually ends up being a great piece of content because it, you know, it's something that already aligns with what Google sees as valuable for that keyword. Um, and it ends up being you know, something that ends up ranking at the end of the day, uh, because it contains all the information that Google was trying to, to put up there. So that's honestly where I start with most of my content. It's just looking at what's already there and, uh, and working with that. And if there's nothing there, 
you know, then yeah, it's up to your judgment and what you think is valuable to, to move forward. But yeah. That seems like a, a pretty good, good strategy. So you're taking, you know, all these different keywords that maybe have 50, 100 uh, hits a month. You're kind of putting that together. Do you, do you have like a, maybe like a main keyword that you're looking for? And like, I'm just curious, like how many, like, what should the volume look like for, for kind of that main thing for that to even know like, okay, this is, this is something that's worth writing. Um, that is going to get enough traffic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly if it's intent based, you know, um, it depends on the price of your product and it depends on, you know, the conversion rate and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, most of the keywords I'd target for are in the 1,000 to 5,000 range, but some niches are so huge. I mean, you're talking like hundreds of thousands, millions of people searching every month. Um, but the issue you run into is as there's more traffic, the, the keywords become more difficult to rank for. You know, there's already people that are optimized, you know, they're writing optimal content for those keywords. Um, so there's a balance of finding easier to rank for keywords that also are intent based and aligned with what your product is. Um, and I find down at that, you know, 1000 to 5,000 range, people don't take the effort to write great content for that range. So it makes it easier Mm -hmm. to rank for. Um, so you are actually getting, you know, a somewhat decent amount of content or decent amount of traffic through that keyword. Uh, but you're ranking higher than other more generic pieces of content because they're trying to rank for the big one. You know, they're trying to rank for, you know, I don't know, some some really simple keyword that, you know, gets a ton of traffic. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I think for me, it's it's niching down and writing specific pieces of content. Um, but then, you know, uh, trying to write, you know, several different pieces of content that rank for these smaller keywords so that you can have an additive amount of traffic that comes in and, you know, is getting eyeballs on what you're building. And, uh, you know, and at the end of the day, um, for me, I mean, there's a lot more content that I could write that I don't, that I haven't written. And it's mostly just an effort and energy based thing. You know, it's just, it's tough to actually sit down and write that content out. I mean, like, you know, it's, it's almost like you're writing a book or you're producing a course. It's like, you're teaching other people something you're, you know, creating, uh, orchestrated valuable information. And that's tough to do all the time, especially when you have multiple hats to wear. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, it's not, uh, when I say that I built this thing on six blog posts, I'm not saying like, oh, you only need six blog posts. It's mostly like I had the energy to write six blog posts in the last, you know, you know, couple of years and they're really good ones. Uh, and they tended, you know, they ended up working for me because, you know, the conversion rate of, you know, the number of people that read those pieces of content that converted into customers and paid for the product ended up working out pretty well. Uh, so if you have a really cheap product, you might need more, co- more traffic coming in. If you have a really expensive product, maybe you need less people coming in. Um, so, you know, there's a little bit of a, a science to it. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. So I kind of want to move into kind of this idea of like starting again, like what would you do? Like if you were to start again, and I, I remember you, I think this was about a year ago. You had a, a tweet that I think did pretty well, got a lot of engagement. It was kind of this idea of like, <clears throat> just like writing for a year in a niche, um, in, in a, a specific niche, just learning all about it, creating an audience in that. And then after that year, then actually like building a product, solving a problem for them. Uh, and I, I thought that was a really interesting idea. Uh, but yeah, I was just curious, like, you know, if you were to start over, like, how, how would you start? Uh, and yeah, kind of how, what would you do? Uh, just kind of curious how you you would start from from zero again yeah you know i think that tweet it, it's actually pinned on my profile you know i think it's 
it's it's hugely ambitious you know i think like it's you know it says like write like 100 articles in a year and something like that which is like almost impossible <laughs> it's impossible to do right you know like i mean maybe maybe you could write like 20 or something like that um but i think you know i think it depends on what um what you're trying to build and what you're uh you know what you're trying to do uh, what i've found uh is that no matter what you build you need distribution and you need um, you know, you need to be able to push out updates and to be able to push out, uh, you know, some sort of marketing or whatever you want to call it, communication, push out communication to a group of people um, to be able to build, you know, something that provides, you know, income for you and, and value for other people. Because, um, like, I mean, you could build the most valuable product on the planet, uh, but if nobody knows about it and nobody can hear about it and it's not available for anybody to buy or, you know, anything like that, then, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, you know, when I built Closet Tools, it, you know, it, it may have seemed like I built the product first and then built distribution. But at, when I when I made that first script and I pushed it up to my personal blog, you know, that wasn't really a product. You know, it was just some little hack that I made. But through that blog post, I built distribution. So like I was ranking for specific keywords on Google and that was my audience. You know, these people would come, they'd search something and they'd find my blog post and they would find out about me, they'd find out about the product. And so I built out that little bit of distribution ahead of time before I really made the product and doubled down on everything. And um, so I think that uh, a great way to build some sort of authority to build, uh, you know, just eyeballs on, the, you know, something that you're probably going to build in the future uh, is to start writing about it, start publishing, you know, uh, content on it, to start building out this uh, distribution channel, whatever you decide to do. Maybe it's Twitter, maybe it's SEO, maybe it's YouTube. Um, and then using that audience to kind of direct the thing that you build in the future. Um, and so, you know, it's something that I kind of did accidentally. I wasn't like saying like, oh, I'm building a distribution channel and I'm going to make a product. <laughs> uh, but I think at the end of the day, I kind of boil it down to like, okay, like if you want to actually have some amount of success, you're probably going to want to do this or at least do the things at the same time, building a product and building out distribution at the same time. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people go the other direction where they start building stuff and they never tell anybody about it. And then they build this great thing, but nobody really knows about it. And, you know, maybe it's super complicated because it's not simple and they spent too much time on it. So, um, so yeah, I find that to be a healthy approach. And, um, yeah, so, and I think what it does too, when you build that authority of, you know, even just like knowledge, um, you know, it opens up, it opens up the types of things that you can build, you know, like, you know, people see me as an authority on SEO. So that gives me the authority to write a book on how to use SEO to sell stuff because I've done that. I have credibility in that area. Um, and so when you, when you go out of your way to publish this content and publish this knowledge, people understand that you're knowledgeable about it. Your people understand that, you know, what's valuable, you know, in this niche, uh, and so when you come out with a product that saves them time or come out with a product that would help you in that, in, you know, in that space, um, you know, people are going to want to use it because they're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. You know, this person, mm -hmm. um, you know, knows what would be valuable and know, you know, how, how this works. Um, and so I think at the end of the day, that kind of, uh, I don't know, it gives you a good foundation for, you know, uh, getting off on the right foot and building something valuable that other people actually want. 
uh, and having a communication channel that you can distribute to when you actually do something or while you're doing something. <clears throat> yeah, that that makes sense. And so it sounds like you know, rank to sell the the book you're writing is that kind of the the next the next project you're focusing on mostly. Yeah, I mean, actually, what I'm doing with that is I'm kind of doing what I did when I built Closet Tools. So I'm actually just getting up earlier in the morning and just write, writing for like an hour or two every day. So like, um, so I'm not like. I'm not using that like it's not like something that's like oh this is going to be like a supplemental income that's like you know I'm going to use I don't know you know like for me it's just like I want to document this I want to I want to have my blueprint out there if people want to buy it that's great if they don't it doesn't you know it's not going to you know hurt me at the end of the day um, but I think it's a valuable piece of information that uh, when I write it down it's going to be able to be relatable across you know multiple disciplines not just like oh if you, you can only use SEO and you can only sell you know this uh, you know using this method it's gonna be something that's a little bit more like hey this is you know kind of the approach that it takes to build you know build an audience and build traffic and also sell things to those people um, so yeah so it's a project that I'm working on but it's like it's like a uh, it's almost like a moonlighting thing uh, where it's, you know, I'm just kind of writing it on the side. Um, you know, I think, you know, I'm still working on closet tools. I still push out updates to it. You know, every couple of weeks I'm pushing out an update, um, and I'm still adding features and, um, and, uh, so yeah, so I, you know, I'm just, I keep working on closet tools, keep, keep, keep it rolling. And, uh, I'm going to kind of build out, you know, some other things, whether it's personal brand type stuff or even future personal products. You know, I just kind of do it the same way I built closet tools in the first couple hours of the day before I did my day job. Um, so yeah, that's how I'm doing it. And uh, like about how much time like do you put into closet tools a week? Uh, in a week, it's probably, I don't know, maybe 15 to 20 hours. Um, but like the amount of time that's actually necessary is like an hour or two maybe a week. Like if I just wanted to maintain and do not, you know, do nothing, it's like, you know, it's very, very low. Um, so it's pretty, you know, it's pretty neat in that regard, but you know, I'm spending probably at least two hours a day coding. Um, and I'm spending another hour or so a day, you know, doing some marketing or maybe I'm doing a customer call. Uh, sometimes when there's uh, weird bugs and stuff, I'll end up doing a video chat with somebody just to see what's going on. Um, so, you know, that's really what takes up, uh, you know, some of my time. Um, so yeah, so it leaves me time, you know, mostly to take care of my kids. You know, I've got three kids now. I've got a five-year-old, three-year-old and a one-year-old. And then I got one more on the way coming in February. So, you know, my nice. hands are, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I got my hands pretty tied with them. And for me, I've got this perspective <laughs> of, you know, they're, they're only going to be young once and the early years are so formative for them that, you know, for me to try to double down and try to build some huge company or something right now, you know, would take away from, you know, the valuable time I could spend with them, um, you know, just helping them become, you know, reasonably good people and people that are kind and people that want to help other people. Um, so honestly, I'm putting in the minimum amount, minimal amount of effort into closet tools that allows me to spend a really good amount of time with my kids so that they can grow up to be healthy and, you know, and be great people. Um, and, you know, I think, um, I think I'm kind of in that season right now. I think once my last kid, you know, gets, you know, a little more self-sufficient, maybe they're eight, 10, 12, something like that. Uh, then my job is largely not done, 
but you know I've done the important work that allows them to be able to make decisions for themselves. Um, so you know then I can spend my time you know doing whatever I want, and you know maybe I'll build a company then that actually employs people and takes more responsibility for me. You know I have an actual schedule that I have to stick to. Uh, you know so. Um, so yeah, for now it's like the, you know, I'm trying to build in flexibility. I'm trying to build in sustainability, um, so that I spend the right amount of time working and my kids don't see me as lazy. Uh, so, you know, so I am in my office working <laughs> sometimes, uh, but I'm also, you know, really optimizing around, you know, making sure that my home is happy and healthy. You know, that's like part of the reason why I take care of the kids in the morning. Cause my wife's pregnant. And so like, you know, she's pretty low energy, you know, sometimes she doesn't feel good. And so it's like, hey, you know, I take the kids in the morning, you relax, you get in your shower, you eat, you, you know, do some journaling, you do whatever you want. You got the morning to yourself, do that. And that ends up at the end of the day, she's a lot happier because she got all the stuff she's done, she wanted to get done. And it doesn't feel like the house is a mess. And like, you know, she got nothing done that day. So, uh, so yeah, it's kind of like optimizing all of these different areas of life and being flexible enough to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of like the blog post thing. Yeah. Could I spend more time on it and build more and, you know, grow it faster? Of course. Like, yeah, like that, of course I could do that, but you know, am I going to do that? Not right now because there's other things that are pretty important too. Um, and I talk about this in the increasing wealth as a father, but, um, I talk about the concept of improving your worst case scenario. Um, and for me, you know, like the absolute worst case scenario is closet tools goes away. Like it's just gone. Um, and so like, you know, I have good skills that I could get a job that makes a reasonable income that would still sustain my lifestyle. Um, and so like at the end of the day, I'm not like, uh, under the gun necessarily to be like, Oh, you need to perform and you need to work super hard so that like this thing stays afloat because if it, you know, if it crumbles, then your whole life falls apart. And it's not really like that, uh, because I've put pieces in place that allow my life to be more sustainable. Uh, and continually I'm doing so, you know, we just bought a house. So like, you know, part of our goals is like, Hey, let's get this house paid off and like minimizing debt, minimizing obligations and, uh, you know, just making your life sustainable. And so like, once you put yourself in that position, then you really have a lot of options. You can spend your time, you know, writing a book or you can spend your time, you know, playing with your kids because that's what you want to do. And that's what's valuable. Um, so yeah. So, you know, I think that answer will change. Like I said, later on when the kids are more self-sustaining, you know, I'll probably spend more time working or who knows what I'll be doing by then. But yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's pretty cool that you have the ability to, you know, not have to, to work all the time and that the business does well with the, the minimal effort that you can do. And then you can focus on other things that are that are important. Um, I, I think it's also pretty awesome that you're you're not lo losing sight of the other things that are important in life, like family and stuff. Like, I don't know, I think as entrepreneurs, we can we can get very like focused on our that one thing of like just making the business grow. And uh, I don't know, I think you can see with if you look at, you know, even the most successful entrepreneurs, a lot of times, you know, they have a great business, sure, but kind of the other things in their life seem to kind of like fall apart a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so that's pretty cool that you're able to have that balance of like, you know, still having a good business, but still making everything else in your life um, and, and keeping keeping up with those. So that's all great as well. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's really wise. Um, well, thanks, Jordan. Uh, thanks for sharing with us. We really appreciate uh, you sharing uh, kind of some of your journey, how you think through things. Because, um, like I was saying, like I think I think your outlook on how to do this stuff is is really good and, and very wise. So I really appreciate you sharing with us. And um, 
Yeah, I'll leave uh, for the listeners. I'll leave some some links to some of the stuff we talked about, Jordan's stuff. Uh, but yeah, thank you, and uh, maybe we'll talk again sometime. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great.